ambassadors. You and I are Christ's ambassadors as though God were pleading through us. We speak for Christ as we plead with our voices, come back. Be reconciled to God. One of the more visible ways that we represent Jesus is through our phraseology. Say, huh? In keeping with the P's of our cornerstones of faith, phraseology is simply the words you use and how you use them. Phraseology is your speech and your conversation in everyday life. Now, it's been said that the average person speaks about 30,000 words on the average day. Now, you and I both know people that talk a whole lot more than that. Amen? But 30,000 words is a lot of time spent representing Jesus. Especially when you begin to consider just how powerful the spoken word is. With our mouths, we have the power to build up. And with our mouths, we have the power to destroy. Therefore, you and I, as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus, should be motivated, here we go, to weigh our words. To weigh our words before, say before. To weigh our words before we speak them. You see, you demonstrate great wisdom. You demonstrate great care when you monitor how you speak. And friends, that includes social media. I'll touch on that a little bit later. But James 1.26, the Bible says this, if you claim to be religious, and I'm assuming that everybody here today is claiming that you're religious. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are deceiving yourselves, and your religion is useless. Furthermore, Paul wrote to Timothy saying, Be an example. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in how you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Be an example. So with all that being said, today the Bible gives us some really great guidance and some really practical advice when it comes to regulating our phraseology. 
what we say and how we say it. The first being this. The Bible instructs us as believers to control your tongue. In James chapter 3, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus wrote this. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity if sin. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, everything that goes in, and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and a reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Get this. With the tongue, we bless our God and Father. And with our tongue, we curse men. Men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. And listen to what James says carefully. He says, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, these things ought not be so. We ought not speak blessing and cursing out of the same mouth. Consider this. One baseless rumor. One careless remark. One morsel of gossip can be incredibly destructive. James was right when he wrote, the tongue's like a fire, a world of sin, a world of iniquity. But if you're anything like me, sadly, we excuse the sins of speech. We excuse bad-mouthing someone. We excuse talking bad about someone. We excuse gossiping about someone. We excuse tearing someone down verbally. We think that because we don't murder and we don't commit adultery and we don't steal that we're good people. But James makes it clear that certain types of speech, certain ways that you use your words, certain types of phraseology are wrong. The content of the Christian's conversation should reflect what's going on in his or her heart. Some say, Brother Bill, I just can't help it. I open my mouth and out it comes. Maybe you said that. But the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that God is present in your life, is self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
So that excuse that I just can't help it, don't fly if you're a Christian. Someone who has no control over his or her tongue is probably out of control in other areas too. But the person who has discipline in the area of his or her phraseology, his or her speech, is one that's yielded their words to the control of the Holy Spirit and undoubtedly will be able to keep the other areas of life in check as well. So Scripture advises us, practical advice. Scripture says, submit your tongues to the control of of God's Spirit. But it doesn't stop there because the Bible also gives us, advises us to refrain from idle talk. To refrain from idle talk. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 35. Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you, Jesus said, I say to you that for every, say every, for every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. What we say and how we say it is serious business. Verse 34 before that passage says this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does that mean, Bill? That means your heart is what really determines what you say. What it really means is your speech mirrors your heart condition. You speak of the overflow of what is in your heart. What is in your heart? Well, that's your emotions, your thoughts, your desires. So if your heart is filled with bitterness, for instance, your life's going to be tainted with bitterness. And ultimately, your speech will reflect bitterness. But if your heart is filled with the love of God, your life will show the love of God, and ultimately, your speech will reflect the love of God. But if we're taking seriously Jesus' words about being held accountable for our idle words, not only will we weigh our words but we'll also examine what's going on here because if you have destructive harmful words coming out of your mouth you got a heart problem friend because the heart the heart is the source of our speech so I want to give you a good rule a good rule to apply before say before a good rule to apply before you speak. And here it comes. The word is think. Say think. T-H-I-N-K. Think. Think. 
Think before you speak. Think before you post on Facebook. Think before you tweet on Twitter. Think before you snap on Snapchat. Think before you post on Instagram. Think before you dance on TikTok. Think. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? Now this is probably the big one, especially when it comes to posting junk on social media. Is it really necessary? And K, is it kind? Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary? Is it kind? Before you speak, think. Before you post, read it back to yourself first. Amen? Can I get an amen? If what you say or if what you post don't pass the test, then you should probably not say it. If it don't pass the think test, then you probably shouldn't post it. Remember, you're going to give an explanation of those words one day when you stand in before the Lord in judgment. You'll either stand before the Lord in judgment as a believer or as an unbeliever. But you're going to be called to explain why you said what you said. So control your tongue. Refrain from idle talk, unnecessary talk. Thirdly, keep your conversations gracious. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace. When the Bible says always, what does the Bible mean? Always, exactly. Therefore, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Now, what's the most gracious thing you can do with your words? Anybody got an opinion on that question? What's the most gracious thing you can do with your words? Say it again. Uplift, that's a good one. There's one even more gracious than that. What's the most gracious thing you can do with your words? And say that again. Tell somebody about Jesus, right? Extend the grace that God has poured out on you to somebody else. Good word. Now, I'll be the first to admit that witnessing can be a little bit intimidating at first. I mean, you never know how people are going to respond. I'll never forget at one church that I served at temporarily, I got sprayed down with a garden hose because I was wanting to invite them to revival. <laughs> you never know what people are going to do. Amen? But if you'll follow three steps that I believe our verses show us, then you'll be more equipped and more effective in sharing your faith in Jesus. Number one, be willing. Be willing to tell the good news. That should be the number one thing you want to do with your words is to tell the good news. Keep your conversation about the good news very simple and very easy to understand. You ever heard that acronym, KISS? Keep it simple, stupid? Well, that's what I had to remember, right? I need to keep it simple, stupid, so that I can share my faith simply and easily. Here we go. Number one, man is separated 
from God by sin. People can understand that. Number two, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And number three, if I will turn from that sin, embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, and follow him, I can be forgiven of that sin, and I can have a relationship with God ultimately for all eternity. That's it. That's the simplicity of the gospel. That's the simplicity of the good news. So many times we try to complicate it and make it difficult to understand. Tell the good news simply and easily. But also, be wise. Be wise in how you share your faith. I mean, be sensitive. If you sense that somebody ain't interested in what you got to say, then hey, don't push your faith on them. It's not time yet. Plant a seed and let that joker grow for a while. Come back and revisit that seed later. On the other hand, don't stop a conversation just because you got something to do. If somebody's showing interest in your faith, then you need to share that outright. Remember, it's God who softens the heart. It's the Holy Spirit that leads people to Christ. You are just the voice. You're just the voice. Man, that just takes all the pressure off, don't it? I ain't got to do nothing. All I got to do is do what God told me to do, and that's share those quick, three quick things. So tell the good news. Be wise when you do it. And number three, hey, let all your conversations be courteous and sensible. Whatever you do, don't go arguing with somebody about Jesus. Don't go arguing trying to prove your point. Rarely will some sophisticated argument get you anywhere. Right? Share it simply, share it easily, and if they, if they don't bite on it, hey, come back and revisit it later. You just let the, the love of Christ shine through your life as you speak. And, according to that Colossians verse, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Now, what in the world is that supposed to mean? Well, what happens when you eat a bunch of salt? You get thirsty, right? So you need to share the love of Christ in such a way that when people hear you sharing those words, when people hear you sharing your redemption story, can I get an Amen. When people hear you sharing your story, they get thirsty. And they want more. They want more of Jesus. So control your tongue. Refrain from idle talk. Keep your conversations gracious. And I just want to interject this one because it's a real bad habit among some Christians. And that is, never use vulgar language. Never use vulgar language. In Psalm 34 and verse 12, David said, Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he might see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Easily said is if you want to enjoy life, if you want to see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. One thing that should absolutely change when you come to Christ is the way you talk. And that includes vulgar language. You see, when we become indifferent, when we become uncaring about our speech 
or about the speech of people around us, because oftentimes we'll tolerate it, right? Then it, it really says, you know what, I'm dismissing the seriousness of sin. It really means, you know what, I'm, I'm just uh, resisting the destructiveness of sin. So it's okay, but you know what, it's not okay. Before I was reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ, many of you may know, but I sold transmission parts for a living. Man, I, I sold parts to mechanics and to uh, auto shop repair, repair, uh, repair shops. And before Jesus did his marvelous work in me, I thought that I had to talk like they talked. And man, them mechanics, they talk like sailors. Anybody know what that means? You heard that saying, cuss like a sailor? That was me 20 years ago, y'all. Cussed like a sailor. But when Jesus cleansed me of sin, he also cleansed me of that vulgar language. And get this. My customers noticed. They noticed that my language had changed. They noticed that there was a change in me. You see, if we continue to use God's name in vain and all manner of curse words and, and vulgar language and dirty jokes. Listen, y'all, something ain't right. If you continue to do that, something ain't right. I'll never forget walking across the hallway to my friend's office. And I walked into Brian's office. I said, Brian, man, I've got this joke i got to tell you. And he looked up at me and he said, is it clean? He said, if it's not clean, I don't want to hear it. And I had to turn, tuck my tail, and walk out of his office. And I'll never forget that. Because Brian was a man of God. Not only did he not use vulgar language, he didn't want it in his presence either. Friend, if you find this to be a trouble spot for you, I want to encourage you, first of all, just commit that trouble spot to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord. Permit Him to start letting Him clean up your act. Amen? And then intentionally replace God's goodness with that vulgar language. Replace that coarse language with praise to God, with thanksgiving to God for what He's done in your life. And as you begin focusing on the goodness of God, then all of a sudden your mind will be less filled with the perverse and wicked thoughts of this world. So control your tongue. Refrain from idle talk. Keep all of your conversations gracious. And be sure that you don't use vulgar language. But finally today, final piece of advice from the Bible. And that is, think of ways to encourage people. Think of ways to praise and to build up people. Ask yourself this question. Do the words you use truly benefit others? Do the words you use leave a positive impression upon those to whom you speak them? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Paul wrote to that church, that church at Thessalonica, and he said, Therefore, encourage each other. Encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. 
Now, what's, what do we use to encourage somebody? Words. Right? I mean, you can give somebody a $5 bill, and that might encourage them, but you're going to use your words and be a lot more effective in encouraging somebody. How do you build somebody up? If they're low, if they're depressed, if they're down, how do you build somebody up? What do you use? Your words. Your words. Build them up. That stresses the absolute importance of wholesome language for the Christian. So these verses also give us some insights about conversations. Just day-to-day -day conversations, how to make those conversations more meaningful. For instance, obviously don't use bad language when you're conversing with somebody. As a Christian, our speech should be positive. It should be encouraging. It should be uplifting, not crude, not destructive. When you use destructive, crude speech, all you're doing is chasing somebody away from Jesus. And I know none of us want that. So let us use our words to encourage, not run somebody off from the Lord. Don't use bad language. Number two, listen before you speak. Listen before you speak. Don't just pretend to be interested in what somebody's saying. Really, really listen. Listen to what they have to say. I mean, there's no way to really know how you might help somebody unless you really understand their needs. Unless you really understand their questions. Unless you really understand how they're hurting. So really listen. James instructs us to be swift to listen and slow to speak. So listen, really listen. Don't use bad language and listen before you speak. But finally today, in all you say, honor Jesus Christ, whom you represent. Honor Christ in all you say. Again, the greatest way you can bless somebody, the greatest way you can encourage somebody is point them to the Savior. Point them to Jesus. There's another translation of 1 Thessalonians 5.11 that says, Use words that are suitable for the occasion, which God can use to point someone to Christ, to help other people. For example, when you begin talking about someone's hurt or someone's struggle, the challenges in their life, after listening, take that opportunity to somehow bring them the hope that Jesus has given you in your life. Listen first and then share the hope that Christ has given you. You know, sadly, in our busy and hectic lives, the quality, the quality of our conversation seems to have really, really suffered. I mean, we're really good about talking about surface issues. Oh, man, we'll talk about the weather and we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about the headlines and we'll talk about politics. We'll talk about work. But I think as Christians, you and I should be more deliberate, more bold to go the extra mile to have a conversation with somebody that's meaningful, 
a conversation with somebody where they will be encouraged and refreshed in their life. As a representative of Jesus Christ, that's what you should do. Now today, those of you that are going to follow this biblical advice that the scriptures have given us, you'll not only develop deeper friendships with others, but you'll also become a far more effective witness for he who you represent. So friend, do you know, do you believe that you are separated from God by sin? Do you know and believe that God sent his son to die on that cross to pay the penalty for your sin? Friend, do you know and believe that if you will turn from that sin, embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, and follow him, you can be forgiven of that sin and have a relationship with God that lasts into eternity? If you've never acknowledged that you know and believe those things, you can do that today. But for you, Christian, remember what James said. We show up at church, we show up in our life groups, and we show up to various functions of the church, and it uh, gives us the impression, man, we sure are religious. But James says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are deceiving yourself, and your religion is useless. One verse with great, great power. So my prayer for you today, my prayer for me today, is that I allow my speech, my conversation, my phraseology to glorify God in every way, every day. That's my prayer for you. Let me pray for you today. Father God, you're an amazing God. You're a holy God. And Father, I think of the way that you spoke to us through your son. And I praise you and thank you that the words that we read in the scriptures are words that build us up, they refresh us, they encourage us, and they glorify you, Father. Lord, help us to represent our Savior, to represent our Lord, to follow after him, and to use our words to control our tongue, to refrain from idle speech, to let our conversations be gracious, to be saved not only from sin, but be saved from vulgar language. And Father, to let every word we utter encourage, praise, and build people up. Father, if there's one here today or one with an earshot of my voice, Father, that has never made a decision to realize and to know and to believe that, Lord, we are separated from you by sin, that you sent your Son to die on the cross to pay that penalty for our sin, and that, Lord, you will save us if we will turn our backs on sin, embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, and follow him. Yes, we can be forgiven. And we can have a relationship with you for all eternity. Father, you know the decisions in the heart. And Father, you know that I have spoken today with you in my heart. And so, Father, I pray that you would quicken the words of my voice to the hearts that need to hear it most. And that great and mighty things are going to occur, not because of something some preacher said, but because of what you said through the scriptures for your glory. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name and all God's people said.
Amen. Let's Amen. all stand.